it's quite an amazing thing, and you might not realize this, but people made friends before <laughs> internet. Shut up. I don't know. It's a crazy thing, but apparently it's true. I Googled it. This is the Travel Freedom Podcast. I'm Tomo. And I'm Megzi. And it's time to collect your ticket to world travel and a location-independent lifestyle. Every Thursday, we'll show you how we travel the planet in style, full-time, for as little as $200 per person per month. And every Monday, we interview digital entrepreneurs who reveal the methods to creating a location-independent online income. So subscribe on iTunes now and discover travel freedom for yourself with the Travel Freedom Podcast. This is Travel Thursdays, episode 029. Today's feature destination is Skopje in the Republic of Macedonia. In this episode, our top five tips for making new friends on the road. This app connects travelers who are on the road. You put your information in and you say where you're going to be and what your itinerary is and that sort of thing. And it will say to you, "Ooh, someone is actually only one kilometer away from you. Would you like to chat to them or meet up with them? And we discover a hearty breakfast for two people for one dollar. Shit me, this pastry is good. It's one dollar yeah. for a massive wedge. Slab. Which is like, it's a meal in itself for one person or a really good snack for two people. Aloha, Travel Freedom Podcast listeners. But are you saying hello or are you saying goodbye? I'm saying hello, it's the start of the episode. Oh, okay. We are not in Hawaii. No, although it wouldn't be too bad being on a beach right now. No. But, but it, by a beach, it's, it's not, not the a, same. It's not a budget destination, is it? It is not, not. Not even in any sense of the word. No. Not, it's not even easy to get there cheaply, so ah, no. We're not in Hawaii, but uh, for this episode, we are going to be talking about Skopje, which is the capital of the Republic of Macedonia, not Macedonia, the state no, in Greece. No, no. If you just call it Macedonia, you p will piss off a whole pile of Greek people. Yeah, but we'll be talking a little bit about Skopje later when we've got some crazy live stuff. We were eating some tasty things. Oh, so good. And uh, yeah, actually, we're really impressed with the food there. More on that coming up. But right now, our travel hacking feature this week is five ways to make new friends on the road. This is for both couples and solo travelers. And for families, really. But I suppose it's probably more orientated to couples and solo travelers. But really, I think these tips will work for anybody traveling. When you're out and traveling, you know, meeting new people is a really important experience. But sometimes it can be tricky to know where to find these people. Yeah, plus, I mean, not everyone is like us and just walks up to strangers in bars and starts talking to them. No, we um, do that a lot, actually. Yeah, we probably do that a bit too much for our own good, but we have had some crazy nights because of it. But uh, these tips we want to give you today are designed for anyone who's traveling, not just for crazy nutcases like us who don't mind talking to whoever we find. Strangers. Yes, weirdos at the Dogs end of the bar. Dogs and cats on the street. Oh, yes, we talk to animals Hello, all the kitty. time. Meow. I consider myself the Dr. Doolittle of travel, actually. Oh, do you? <laughs> Is there a dog in here? What does it mean? What did you say, Dr. Doolittle? Um, I think she said, where is the bar? We, al <laughs> we always get into these conversations with animals about drinking. Anyway, let's get onto these tips, because otherwise you're just going to listen to us waffle for half an hour, which is not what we're trying to achieve here. Okay, so our number one tip, and these are not in a specific order. This is just random tips. No, it's just tip that happens to be coming first. Yes, this is the first tip. Yes, so Facebook groups. We've actually used this quite a few times, and it's been really helpful. Some of the expat groups have, you know, on Facebook, they do have membership requirements, but joining these groups you can get so much fantastic local knowledge and just information about the area that you wouldn't have known maybe reading like a wiki travel or your lonely planet these people live there and they know 
exactly which are the good places to go. Yep, where to meet people and of course you can meet up with these expats if you like. Totally. So one way to get in with these groups, because sometimes they're private, is you can email the admin, just explain that you're going to be in town for a little while and would really like to meet some people while you're there. And they most likely will let you join. Yeah, some are stricter than others, but I think at least if you're there for more than a week or so, they'll probably be like, cool. Especially if you happen to have a blog so they can check you out a little bit first, give them the link to your blog as well. You don't have to be a travel blogger, it doesn't matter. But you know, if you've got an about page on your blog and you're obviously not just some crazy nutcase, then it's going to be a lot easier and they'll probably let you in. Yeah. So we've had some really good success with this. Totally recommend it. Yeah. Do a search on Facebook in the usual thing at the top. And Facebook just, groups. Yeah. Search for your Facebook groups, expat groups and the name of the destination you're going to. Normally it's a town. It's a bit harder to find a general sort of France group. Probably yeah, no, get one. specific. Yeah, go Paris, go Lyon, go wherever the hell you're going. Okay, number two. Uh, online forums. So perhaps like couchsurfing or local expat forums, those sort of things. Yeah, it's funny actually. Couchsurfing is slowly being strangled to death by Airbnb, which you can understand because people who are on Airbnb now are making a lot of money even for renting out their couches or spare rooms. Why would you give them out for free? Uh, I know, because the kindness of your heart and giving back to travelers if you're a traveler. So some people still do You still do get it. the same experience, but you get paid for it. So yeah. you can't fault them. Yeah, it's hard to stop people from doing that. But one of the things that is still happening on Couchsurfing that does seem to work is either the forum. Local forums do still have people interacting and saying what's going on. There's Couchsurfing groups and meetings in various towns that do still happen. So travelers still connect through Couchsurfing, even if they're not necessarily staying with hosts as much as they used to. Yeah, so just jump onto the Couchsurfing website and find out if there's any particular dates where they're having get-togethers or if uh, you can actually send out your own messages as well yeah, and we be like, hey, we're going to be in town. Anyone want to meet up? And you might get responses from people going, absolutely. Yeah, we also direct email people. We met up with Manu in Seville a few weeks ago. Yeah, he was like, oh, I'm not available to Couchsurf at the moment, you know, but because I'm busy with work, but I'd love to meet up. And we're like, sweet. Yeah, so he just came out, met up with us, told us loads of stuff about Seville, which was really cool and took us to an amazing tapas restaurant that we wouldn't even realized was going to be amazing. When no. we're just looking at the outside, it was not obvious. So also local expat forums, you can just do a search on Google to find these. Some of them are more friendly than others. Yeah, some, some are more of them, active. Some of them are just like a big opportunity for expats to sit and fucking bitch about everything. So yeah. be careful about I moved which abroad ones. and I hate it. Oh my God. Oh, the reason why I moved to Cambodia is because they put the beer in Thailand from 50 cents up to a and I was like, I can't afford a dollar. Yeah, I'm gonna have this is ridiculous. Uh, we've seen it. So th some of them are for people to have a bitch. Some of them are really useful to get interactive with the expat community. So just have yeah. a bit of a ignore the bitches and just hope that some of the people in there are useful. Um, yeah, just jump on Google, find the forums, sign up for them, and post like, I'm coming to town, and what the hell's going on in town these days, and yeah, whatever. Bada bing, bada have. boom. Number three. Apps. There are some really interesting apps out there these days. Yeah, in fact, one of the latest ones that we signed up to recently was backpackr.org. So rather than backpacker with an ER, just an R on the end of backpack. They're like in the R's, the R's, R. Fiverr, Tumblr. Yes, because all those assholes have bought up every single yeah. web address that they're <laughs> exactly. not actually using, all those domain names have been sold to people buy my domain name for ten thousand. no thank you i'll just take the e out of backpacker and sorted. now i am sorted and my name looks sort of cool as well but essentially this app connects travelers who are on the road you put your information in and you say where you're going to be and what your itinerary is and that sort of thing and it will say to you oh someone is actually only one kilometer away from you would you like to chat to them or meet up with them so and you say yes or no. Yeah, it's up to you. And that means other people can contact you. You don't have to just reach out. Other people can reach out to you as well. So we've, we had a little play with it. It is very new. 
it is growing really fast because it's such a damn good idea. But uh, yeah, it's not necessarily perfect right now. But Probably it in the is. bigger cities. In the bigger cities, you might yeah. find more people to meet up with. But if you're somewhere a little bit more rural, a little smaller, you might not have so much luck with it. But, you know, give it a try. The more members it gets on there, the much better it's going to be. And I think it's yeah. definitely going to be something that's going to happen it's a gonna, lot more in the future. It's going to be awesome really soon. Okay, so number four. Uh, travel buddy websites. Yeah, these are specifically aimed at solo travelers from what I've seen of them. Obviously, we're a couple, so we don't particularly use these sites ourselves, but this is something that is clearly a great idea. Wondermates.com and findmeetgo.com. They seem to be aimed mainly at connecting travelers who want to go to the same place for either part or all of their trips. So you actually go on there in advance and go, hey, would anyone like to travel with me? Travel buddies. Yeah, travel buddies. So then you've got someone that you can travel with for the whole trip or a bit of the trip if you happen to both be going on one section that's pretty similar. Or you can negotiate and say, would you like to go to this place? Or this place is really, really cool. Why don't we go there? And, you know, why not jump on there? If you're afraid of being a solo traveler, which we know a lot of people have a few concerns and I can understand why, especially for female solo travelers, this is a really good way to make sure you can check out the person in advance, make sure that they're not a psycho killer and find a travel buddy. We are so getting copyright infringement. Every episode. Sorry, it just pops into my mind and I can't help it. Anyway, what's number five? I would say you've altered the melody enough. Yeah, no one knows what that is. Psycho killer. That's good enough. From the band Orking Ted's. Exactly. Of course. Number five. The old-fashioned way, it's quite an amazing thing, and you might not realize this, but people made friends before internet. <laughs> Shut up. I don't know. It's a crazy thing, but apparently it's true. I Googled it, and they told me it was true. The internet might make it easier to connect with other travelers, but the old way of just staying in hostels rather than staying in private accommodation, it's definitely some ways that we've met people. We just go down to the social area, and we go, hey, who's here? Anyone want a beer? Friend? We have beer. <laughs> yeah, we've we got beer. So, you know, stick with the old ways. It's funny, though, going to hostels, often you see people on their meetup app, on their computer, trying to find people to meet when there's like five people sitting behind them going, hello, hello. we want to make friends. So, yeah, not Seriously. all hostels are made the same and some are a little bit more friendly and open than others. But, you know, hanging out in the social areas, you're bound to probably meet at least one person who you can strike up a conversation with. Yeah, and some countries, of course, are more sociable than others as well, like Greece is awesome. You can literally just walk up to people, sit down and start chatting, and a lot of people speak English. So, yeah, if you're a little bit nervous about doing that sort of thing, we understand that might not be the method for you, but if you don't mind doing it, then try chatting to some locals because you're going to learn some interesting stuff meeting the locals rather than just other travelers. Totally. Okay, so we also have other news this week. We have got the World Nomad Scholarship Program for Sweden, Ecuador, and Canada that's actually closing I believe it's uh, tomorrow, the 24th or maybe the 25th of April. I'm pretty sure it's the 24th of April. So if you want to sign up with that particular one, jump on the link on the show notes. This essentially lets you go out and get some awesome travel experiences for free with World Nomads. They will actually pay for you to do it. All those adventure travelers out there, if you want some adventure, then uh, they're sending some people off to do that. So totally sign up for this before it's too late. So head to www.worldnomads.com slash competitions slash extraordinary dash experiences. Yep, or go on the show notes for this episode, which is travelfreedompodcast.com slash 029. Now, naturally, if you do win that, they are going to give you travel insurance. But if you're just going to travel anyway, we do recommend that you get travel insurance yes. before you go. And you should travel. 
You know that, right? Oh, yeah. Totally. We've mentioned yes. that. Yes. So you, I think we've mentioned that. So we that. know you're going to travel. Totally travel because that's why you're here and listening to this. So travel, but make sure you do it with your travel insurance and make sure you get your 5% discount with our link. Travelfreedompodcast.com slash worldnomads. And the code, as always, is WN5DP. And feel free to share that around too. You know, if you've got like family or friends who are going to be like, oh, I totally have this coupon. It's not just for you guys. It's for everybody. Share the love. Exactly. Okay, our feature this week is on Skopje, as we mentioned earlier, which is the capital of the former Yugoslav Republic of Macedonia. That's a mouthful. There have been some crazy refurbishment going on in this city centre. I mean, we'd never been there before, so we're not exactly sure what it was like previously, but it is uh, just, it's like a work zone. It is, but there's still some real, like, you can see what it's going to look like when it's finished, and mm. it's going to be really nice. And some parts are pretty much done already, and wow, like some of the bridges, all this architecture, perfectly sculptured stuff. It looks like something out of history. It is a modern recreation because they were badly affected by an earthquake in the 60s. A lot of the city was destroyed, and it's really now coming into its own, I think. I think it'll be a place in, like, 50 years' time, people will go for the architecture. It'd be like, oh, that's the place I go for the architecture, like going to Barcelona to see the Gaudi stuff. Okay, let's get into some destination live clips. Well, we've just arrived in Skopje, which is the capital of Macedonia. And the we're just walking into the central... former Yugoslav Republic of Macedonia. Sorry, this is the capital of the former Yugoslav Republic of Macedonia. There is another Macedonia in Greece, and they get very confused. And upset. Yes, and upset. We are currently in the, the main square in the center of town, walking towards the biggest statue of Alexander the Great that I know I've ever seen. Yeah. Well, how many have you seen? Two. Two. This one's bigger. <laughs> this one's bigger. <laughs> this is bigger than the one in Thessaloniki. It's a strange statue anyway. It's, uh, it's like a giant pillar in the middle. It's all white and gray with different characters from war all sort of carved into it. And there's just this huge disc on top of that that stretches out from the central pillar. It's like a massive coin on top of a, on top of a stick. <laughs> Don't know. <laughs> yeah, and then there's yeah the giant statue of Alexander on his horse on the top. He's like one of those creepy clown pictures that it's like the opposite. Rather than always looking at you, he's always looking away. <laughs> no matter where you go around the statue, you can't get a picture of his face. But I see a sign for beer. The sign for beer isn't quite as big as the Alexander statue, but it's almost as it's big. Still pretty big. So we can see that you know historical victories and beer both feature very highly in Macedonian culture, and we like that. Okay, next up, we're going to talk about a little bit of the street food that was our ideal breakfast or snack of choice. Bakeries, quite easy to find. When you walk around for a bit, you'll probably see one. Uh, we just picked up a spinach and feta pie. In Greece, spinach pie like this is known as spanakopita. In Macedonia, it's called burek. And shit me, this pastry is good. It's one dollar yeah. for a massive wedge. Slab. Which is like, it's a meal in itself for one person or a really good snack for two people. And for us, it's breakfast today. <laughs> yeah. It might be 10.30, but it's definitely breakfast. It's gonna mm. warm our innards. Piping hot, straight out the oven, one dollar. Amazing spinach pie. The pastry is just so thick and it's got that sort of chewy texture to it rather than being all flaky. Oh, yeah, dense. This burek is just like dripping with fat. That is really fatty. Oh, oh wow. The, oh my god. The paper is just soaked up all the oil from this. <laughs> which is why it's so delicious. Yup. I'm gonna have to do a workout after this. But it's worth it. I'm gonna have to it's do 10 it. workouts. <laughs> we have a little bit of a mini story corner for you this week. As you know, we like talking about food. 
There was, I do like food. Have I mentioned mm-hmm. this? I that I like food. We mentioned this. Travel food is part of the reason why we travel. There's some more destination live stuff coming up after this, but we just want to talk about how freaking surprised we were as how good the food in Skopje was. We had no idea that this country has such amazing quality of cuisine. No, not at all. And the sad thing was when we actually got in to Skopje, we asked what were some of the local things that we must try. And the girl was like, oh, pizza, or there's some good pasta, or there's a hamburger place. And we're like, no, 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 no. We want like the local food. But it turns out they've all been eating this food for so long that they're not interested in eating it. They want international food, which makes sense. We totally understand it. But the local food, you have to freaking try it. It's really tasty. Yeah, we loved it. And the first one I think we should talk about maybe is if the one that I can't it. pronounce is the Pastramarhiyia. Uh, it's the one with the long name that starts with P. Essentially, it looks like a pizza, but the dough is sort of Instead of being in an oven, they actually put it on like a fry plate or something. And it's, it's oval as well. It's, it's an long. oval shape. And it's normally got egg on it instead of cheese. Although there might be cheese as well. I might get a bit of a combination of both. Bit of meat and chilies. Chilies have been something that just seem to be everywhere in the cuisine in the Republic of Macedonia. Really spicy food, which we loved. Mm-hmm. Another really great one is the Ivar, spelt A-J-V-A-R. So like spelt like Ajvar. And it kind of looks like a, like a salsery kind of bready. It sort of is like a salsery sort of thing. It's made with peppers. I think there might be tomatoes in some of them. It depends what you get. But like, yeah, it's a roasted pepper thing with paprika and garlic. And wow, yeah, you spread that on a bit of bread with some feta cheese. Amazing. And that's quite a popular breakfast option, actually. Yeah, Yeah, we had it for breakfast loads of times. You can get it in all the parts of the Balkans. It was particularly good in Skopje as well. One other thing that was better in Skopje than anywhere else when we were in the Balkans was the pinjur which is another sort of dip, rather than being made just from peppers. This one quite often is made from eggplant. And of course, in Skopje, chilies. Mm. Yeah, and we actually ordered the spicy version of it. And yes. not expecting them to have like good spice in Skopje, <laughs> it almost blew our face off. Because we just weren't expecting it. That was like our first meal there. Yeah. So we had no idea. But we ordered these little triangle bread things that were really, really oh. fresh and tiny. And they also came with like this chili butter like a really it's cheesy chili, chili butter. Buttery, buttery, yeah. chili thing. And oh, it was phenomenal. Oh my God. So like, yeah, we had this selection of food, way too much to eat. And we had two large, well, four large beers in the end. And really it only came to like $15 for the, all of that. It's really cheap. We you, do have pictures of all of the food on the show notes There will as be well. food pictures on the show notes, yes. Because yeah, you're paying like $3 for a, a reasonable sized main course like the pizza thing. And, and we ordered the small and it came yeah. out and it was huge. <laughs> the small was $3 and that was enough for two people and we'd ordered all this other food as well. You gotta think that's not gonna last forever. In fact, that was something we were talking about when we were there. So yeah, right now walking through the Macedonia Square again during the daytime and they're building a Marriott Hotel right in the centre of the square. Yeah. We also walked past a brand new Ibis that's set to open as well. So that means they are expecting people to be coming here in the near future. Which means all these really nice restaurants and cafes that are around the square are not going to be the same amazing prices as what they are now. They're expecting tourists and with that, prices are going to go up. Yeah, right now in the downtown, most expensive part of town, you can walk into a really nice restaurant with great service, amazing food and sit down and have a meal for two with drinks for sort of 15 to 20 US dollars. And that's a really fancy, snazzy restaurant right in the middle of town. And it'll also be enough food that you'll both be quite stuffed. Yeah, like that's crazy amounts of food if you spend 20 dollars on a massive meal. Get ready, if you're not here in the next one or two years, these big international hotels 
hotel chains will be here, tourists will be coming in, and these restaurants will be doubling their prices instantly. So next up, we went to the bazaar, which is not what the typical bazaar you'd expect is, because you'd think it's like it, it might be in Istanbul, where it's like a big covered market with millions of people throwing stuff at you. Actually, it wasn't much like that at all. It was sort of, sort of eerie in places. It was a little strange. It's, but, yeah, it's it, like this closed down old, old town, but you could look into certain windows and there were still people like working away. Yeah, well, we've got some live clips from that one as well, so take a listen. So we've just walked into the old bazaar area, which is of course a shopping district. It's not quite what you'd expect from a bazaar. It's not just lots of little stalls everywhere. It's actually, um, it's actually shops along a sort of cobbled street. We saw these rough, all misshapen, large cobblestones. Some are sort of a pink color, a gray color, an orange color. And the air is just dense with, it's just cooking. It's cooking, it smells and from all the different restaurants along the way that are either cooking their kebabs or cooking their burgers or their cheese pies. And so, although it seems quite smoky, it's just all from food, which is mm, awesome. Yes, food. And as you walk along, you see the, the old lampposts. A lot of this will have been at least partially reconstructed after the, the earthquake in the 1960s. But it's based around the traditional shopping district that would have been here before. There's a guy getting his shoes shined on the street. <laughs> and why not? Why not? Shoe shining. A tradition belonging to people who have those sorts of shoes, because I certainly don't. So yeah, it's sort of half touristy and, and half sort of traditional. Uh, it's definitely a place that the locals come down to pick up their food and groceries and whatever stuff they need. This is, you know, this is where you come. This is the bazaar. And you'll find on each different street, you might have a particular type of trade. So some streets are particularly focusing on jewelry. Some streets are particularly focusing on sewing. And you, you actually see guys and ladies sitting in their shop front windows just doing the sewing and fixing up people's old garments or making new garments. Yeah, it kind of feels like stuck in time a little bit. Yeah, it's sort of strangely historic whilst also being sort of modern because we're just walking past an ATM. So, yeah, it's a strange mix of 1970s tourist town meets 17th century historic village meets modern times and modern tourists. And one of the best things is a lot of the attractions are free. So we're wandering into old churches, there's mosques, even quite a few of the museums are free. Not all of the museums are free, but many of them are. And a lot of stuff is still sort of, you'd say, under construction at the moment. Things aren't exactly finished. It's like this is a city that is developing. It's going to become a tourist destination in five years time, perhaps. But right now it's all under development. So not everything is complete, but you still get that real sense of, of another part of the world. From what it's going to be, you can see from what they've already done, how amazing it's going to look once it's all finished. It's going to be a beautiful city. And right now it's not full of tourists. So you're getting a more local experience, which is great. Yeah, it's a lot of the locals are actually asking us to take photos of them. Yeah, we haven't had that for a while. No. <laughs> As we mentioned earlier on in the episode, Skopje was actually hit by a massive earthquake in the 60s. And so a lot of the buildings were destroyed. Uh, we actually went to visit the earthquake museum, which was a little bit on the somber side, but definitely really interesting. And I'm pretty sure it was free to get in. Maybe our past selves will tell us in this next live clip. We're in the Skopje City Museum, which is where the old railway station used to stand before it was destroyed in the 1963 earthquake. Well, I should say partially destroyed. They actually managed to save part of it, and that's what they've used to, to put this museum inside. Uh, you can come here and learn all about the actual earthquake and what happened. It's quite an important part of, of Skopje 
history, everything Very you see. fundamental part. A fundamental really, yeah. part of this, of this town. And the interesting thing about the museum is that they're continuously talking about how quickly they got in there as a city and helped each other out and got homes and got health care and got, you know, rebuilt everything in such a quick, efficient manner. They're sort of constantly building up the people who were here at the time. So even though they'd suffered through this massive earthquake and, you know, they could just give up, they actually all came together in a really unified manner. So there is a part of the museum that does have plenty of English that you can read uh, to find out exactly what happened and how it affected the people. And uh, it's completely free. Mm-hmm. It took us a little bit to find it, but eventually we stumbled across the actual bazaar area where the locals do all of their everyday shopping. Take a listen. We have found the Bits Bazaar, uh, which is the market here. We were told that it was a food market, but we're mostly finding uh, clothes and stuff at the moment, and it is value. Because we're not selling budget, we're selling value these days. The most impressive thing is all the, uh, the traditional clothing that they have here. They come down to the market to see all of their traditional dress that they wear for celebrations and parties and whatnot. Yeah, and quite a lot of the prices are lower even than somewhere like Thailand, where you'd expect to be getting super cheap. Like, it's really pretty competitive. And we're in Europe, so it's amazing. Yeah. And you can just come for a walk around as well, you don't have to buy. But if you do need some stuff, this yeah. is a good place to get it. No pushy sellers here. We have found the food section. A place close to our hearts. Here you can get your fruit, fresh fruit and veg, olives, spices, lots of paprika, which is used a lot in their cooking. 30 eggs for about $3.50. That's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> Just, we're in the egg part of the market right now. Yeah, it's one of those sort of markets. Like, this is the egg aisle, and then this is the fruit and veg. You can get broken eggs for 80. If you want to buy eggs that are already smashed, then you can get a discount. And honey. Mm, ooh, it's on the honeycomb. Yum, I love honeycomb so much. Well, it looks like you guys got lucky this week. Because there's uh, no travel homework for you. We're giving you the week off, but we do want you to dream about international food. Actually, no, I do have travel homework. I want you to go out and I want you to try something that you've never tried before. Yeah, eat some crazy food that you've never even thought of eating. Yeah, and then tweet us about it. I want to hear all about it. So tweet us at My Travel Freedom and let us know what food you went out and tried. Yum, 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 yum. Thanks for listening to the Travel Freedom Podcast. Show notes and resources for this episode are waiting for you at TravelFreedomPodcast.com. So join us again for Money Mondays to learn how to supercharge your online income. Or for Travel Thursdays, where we'll help you travel like a prince on a pauper's budget. We are waiting for your comments and feedback, so tweet us at MyTravelFreedom. Or email info at TravelFreedomPodcast.com. I'm Tomo. And I'm Megzy. Catch us again on Mondays and Thursdays on the Travel Freedom Podcast. Bye for now. Bye.